Seven billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Seven billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Eventide Entertainment presents The Drive-In, hosted by Aaron Lopez. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming back. Welcome to another episode of The Drive-In. I am your host, Aaron Lopez. And this week, I am joined by my good friend, Carly. Uh, she has been a, a friend for actually like a couple years now, theater friend, as many of my guests are. But we're excited to have her on first time guest host. So, Carly, thanks for coming on to this, this week. Thanks for having me. This week's movie that we're checking out, guys, is Pacific Rim Uprising, starring John Boyega, Charlie Day, Scott Eastwood, and newcomer Kaylee Spaney. I think I'm saying her name right. Um, if I'm not, somebody correct me. Uh, but yeah, Carly, you, we were looking at getting you on to the show, and I had mentioned, like, hey, you want to go see Isle of Dogs? You're like, oh yeah, that might be fun. And I'm like, it's either that or Pacific Rim Uprising. You're like, Pacific Rim, Pacific Rim. So what's your, what's your, what's your excitement from Pacific Rim? To be fair, I work with dogs, so I see dogs all day, and um, a movie about my work is maybe uh, not ideal, but a movie about giant monsters and robots fighting it out <laughs> is my heart and soul. Like, I and I guess I, I made the assumption that you're, I'm like, dogs, Carly, yeah, but I completely see that. <laughs> it's like, you wouldn't want me to, I, w- I would not be excited to go see a movie about teaching. I'm like, eh, because I would just be like nitpicking all the bad things that would be going on with it. Um, yeah, no, that's, I, I'm excited. This will be really cool. Um, I actually have had um, a lot of people mentioning Pacific Rim as one of those movies that they need to go and see, um, or they were way behind. Mike Shea has been on a couple times, and each time he's mentioned how Pacific Rim is one of those movies he was really late on. Um, what was your first reaction when you saw the first one? Um, so I loved the first one. To, to put this in perspective, my very favorite films of all time uh, are the Fast and Furious franchise. Okay. So I love overwrought explosions uh, with a melodramatic, like, family, we're family and the family we choose storyline behind it. When you get that with, with the Pacific Rim. It's yeah. everything I want. That's great. Yeah, I, I I remember watching it, and I, I don't remember... I know I didn't see it, and it wasn't it was in theaters. Um, I saw it mm, probably about a year after it came out. <laughs> I was a little far behind, but not, like, as far back as, like, just recently seeing it. Um, but I loved it. I loved... Like, I grew up... My dad is a huge Godzilla fan. So, like, when Godzilla came out, I saw all those. Um, and he, he just gets into all of the, you know, the older Godzillas, the newer Godzilla movies... And so kind of that concept of the kaiju and this idea of monsters from the deep and all this. So I just remembered, um, I actually ran away from home in the fourth grade because my mom wouldn't let me see Godzilla 2000. And I wanted to see it so badly, but I was 12 and it was a PG-13 movie. That's Godzilla 2000. I, can't, I forgot about that one. I loved I was, it so I always remember the Matthew Broderick it. one. That's... Wait. Was it the Matthew Broderick? Matthew Broderick was like 97. Godzilla 2000. That would be Godzilla 2000 I did get to see in theaters. Okay, okay. Yeah. No, it was it was the Matthew Broderick that I ran away from home for. Well, and that one, it was worth running away from. I love that movie. It was very good. so cheesy and 
good in all the late 90s style of movie ways. Yes. Just everything seems to fit. The, the soundtrack is pretty good, I but it's it's very 90s. Very, very 90s. Um, but yeah, so like I, I've been excited to see uh, the second one. Um, going into it, I was kind of not sure what to expect just because I saw two trailers. The first trailer made it seem like I didn't have to go see the movie because they gave, it seemed like they gave away everything, mm-hmm. all the cool parts. And the second one kind of built it up a little bit more. Um, like there was there was a rogue. They really kind of talked more about the rogue uh, Jaeger, which they didn't show in the first one. I was see, excited to see that. So I, didn't I think that see helped. That one. At all. That one made me a little bit more excited about it. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't know. I I I continuously talk about this on the show where I, I hate watching trailers anymore because they give away too much. Mm-hmm. Trailers don't tease anymore. So yeah. I don't know. I, I saw the first trailer, and it showed me that there were going to be more monsters and more robots, and I was in. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the kind of thing with this type of movie. You know what you're getting when you go in. You're not expecting a character arc that is something that is going to, like, pull in your heartstrings and make you really feel things. You're just going to, like you said, see things that explode. Monsters, robots. There you go. That's There's your tagline. That's all I want. All right. Let's get into the trailers. So... For the first time in a long time here in Ohio, we did not have seven. We had six, but we had six trailers. Uh, we had Tag, Uncle Drew, Action Point, I Feel Pretty, Sci- Skyscraper, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um, there, A lot of these were new for me. There's three of them that I had not seen before, um, which usually I only get like one or two. Uh, or were, any, were any of the ones that you saw tonight uh, a standout for you? Something you're excited to go see? Um, I really expected to hate tag but every moment of the trailer ended up buying me back in i really wanted to see that now um i feel pretty seems like something that is going to tickle my funny bone i i like the reversal of the suddenly you see people for what they are in the inside trope or these yeah. like suddenly your body has changed like trope. 13 going on 30 yeah. that style yeah i, I, I love like 13 going on 30 some mark ruffalo but <laughs> no um, I, I like the concept of i feel pretty because it's you know it's one of those things that you don't you do not see the idea of accepting your body happen especially from a female's perspective in Hollywood very often mm-hmm. they either ignore it or they go the opposite route they don't usually go the route that um, you see in, in I feel pretty well and and you'll see in teen movies and in rom-coms uh, where they try to do that but they're doing it with someone who fits all conventional beauty standards and they just take off her glasses and, <laughs> and suddenly she puts she's, her hair up yeah it's which there was a wonderful character hair transformation in the movie that I do want to talk about for Pacific Rim very important yep but we'll get to that <laughs> yeah I'm with you there on tag I'd seen um, I'd seen some Facebook trailers, and I hadn't watched them because I just was like, eh, I'm, I'm done watching trailers unless I have to see them. Um, but I well, now that I've seen this, the cast looks awesome. It looks really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, does it look like it's going to be one of the best comedies I've ever yeah. seen? Yeah, but it's, it looks funny. I'll, yeah. like, I'm excited to see Tag. Um, and it's a concept, like, seriously, how we've never seen something like this before. Like, yeah. we've seen, like, buddy comedies, but, like, this style... I don't know. Um, action point. I'm excited for. I told you. I was. I leaned over to Carly during the uh, the trailers, and I'm like, "All right, I love Jackass. Like, I was one of those kids that would sneak down to their friends' basements with MTV and watch Jackass growing up. And I think it's kind of cool because 
they tried to do this with Bad Grandpa, mm-hmm. where it was um, kind of like an actual storyline plot, but it still was filmed in the way of um, the jackass, like, second camera kind of a thing. But mm-hmm. this one actually seems like it's a movie, but all the stunts are jackass stunts. Like a real good production value movie um, reminded me of, like, Adventureland. Like that, yes, that a lot feel. like that. Um, I find it a lot more tempting than I found Bad Grandpa. Um it was not very good. It was, it was good. Bad Grandpa was good for some laughs. It was stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather just watch old Jackass episodes yeah. if I'm going to see that. Um, but no, that, that looked like a lot of fun. Um, I am definitely going to want to go see Skyscraper because seeing Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Die Hard. That's what Dwayne. it is. Yeah, it's, it's an everyman trying to save his family in a tower that was designed by an Asian person when things got out of hand. And I love, too, you can't just put Dwayne Johnson in that role because it would be a very short movie. You have to take a leg. So he's got a prosthetic leg. I have some thoughts about that. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I think it's an interesting twist, but still, like... Immediately at the end of the trailer, you see how it's going to come into play, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It it does bother me to have a non-disabled actor playing a disabled character. Yeah. Um, it it's just a problem. Yeah, I I know. I I I agree completely with that because I think that you know there's so many actors and actresses in Hollywood that you don't need to make somebody something they're not. Mm-hmm. I I can see where they're coming from because they want an action hero. Yeah, but they, they don't make him disabled. Face value. Yeah, you don't need him to have a prosthetic leg when he's very clearly able to do anything he wants. And the reason why he's able to do all the stunts and do all that is because he has two working legs. Yeah, and he's jacked as shit because he's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Well, so and you see pictures of Dwayne the Rock Johnson because he's I think a phenomenal human being. Yeah, he's a great uh, guy. I love what he does. On Facebook, he'll post pictures with. Like disabled veteran, vet. I can't say that word. Veterans. There it is. Who are jacked as shit. Yeah. We can curse, right? Yeah. Okay. We're fine. <laughs> um, we throw the f bomb around a couple times. We'll have to just put an e on it, but oh, otherwise. We're okay. Good. I'll try to rein myself in. <laughs> um, but like he will post those pictures on Facebook, and so I'm like, I I have seen you next to someone who is the character. Yeah. Who is a disabled person who could do all of the action movie things. Mm-hmm. So can we audition those people some more? Well, I, I, I can see Hollywood's kind of worry um, where, what was it, Par- the th- or 1517 to Paris, where they got the actual guys. That movie bombed so bad. Like, you need actors. Yeah, you need actors. But there's um, actors out but there. there. Yeah, there are plenty of disabled actors. Yeah. Um, because it's not based on a true story. Like that, exactly. That was a cool concept, but the guys aren't actors. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Um, so that's... I, I want to go see the movie. I'm excited about the movie. It'll be a good movie. It'll be a good action movie. But I do have a big problem with that element of the movie. Yeah, and speaking of action movies, Jurassic World. <laughs> I don't Chris know Pratt's how, so pretty. I don't know how to feel about this one. I was so excited, like little schoolboy excited about the first one. Mm-hmm. Jurassic World, like that. I was so excited for it to come back. This one, I'm not, I just don't care as much. I don't know if it's just that the trailers haven't been doing what they need to do, or if the storyline just feels like it's lost. the Lost World Part 2. I don't... I just don't feel as drawn into it as the first one did. 
Um, I, I think the first one was kind of a letdown, and so you don't have the same initial excitement going in of maybe they're doing it right this time. That's true. Um, it Not exactly the same, but imagine if Force Awakens was coming out right after Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And you're like, okay, it's it's a different team, but they've already tried to do something, and... I, I am excited that Goldblum's back. Oh. I'm, I am was a little let down that he didn't make his appearance in the first. I'm excited in a different way to hear <laughs> that Goldblum is back. Mm. He's, he's so funny. Like, he barely... It's funny, like, nowadays, anytime you see him in a movie or a TV show, he's just himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even have to act anymore. He's just... They get he him looks to like be he's this... having the best time. Oh, yeah. He put his work in. He, he was the fly. You know, yeah. he, he, did, he did what he needed to do, and now he just gets to show up, get paid, and... Say lines. Yeah. So I am excited he's in it. I don't know how much he'll have in the role or in the actual movie itself, but guarantee you he will be all over the place in their marketing because it's, it's yes. Jeff Goldblum. I, I think we have seen in the trailer exactly as much as he's in the film. Yeah. I don't I don't expect a whole lot out of it. But Chris Pratt's pretty, so Yeah. And it looks like they gave Bryce Dallas Howard is that's her name? Yeah. Bryce uh, Dallas Howard. Yeah, it looks like they gave her some actual shoes she can run in. I still think that was just the stupidest thing yeah. like having like and they called attention to it in the movie of how mm-hmm. dumb it was but they didn't do anything about it yeah it was it was bad bad writing there yeah all right so let's get to the spoiler free summary um this is uh your spoiler free summary for pacific rim uprising jake pentecost son of stacker pentecost from the first movie reunites with Mako Mori to lead a new generation of Jaeger pilots, including rival Lambert and 15-year-old hacker Amara against a new kaiju threat. That's that's your spoiler-free summary. And trust me, if we got any further in, we'd be giving you some spoilers. Um, so we don't want to do that. If you want to listen to us, I, I've been hearing more and more people just like to hear us talk um, who don't really care that they're not going to go see the movie, um, but they want to know about the movie and if it was good and just kind of hear the awesome conversation that me and my guest host have. Um, so if you are one of those people, disregard, and we will talk to you again a little bit. If you are not one of those people and you haven't seen Pacific Rim Uprising, and you don't want spoilers, this is your time to pause and come back in a couple hours after you see the movie, um, and we'll give you a quick little break and how to do that. All right, so you've been warned. Uh, everybody, at this point in time, we've got some spoilers, and we've got plenty of them, because there's, there's, like many movies like this, there are not levels. It goes straight into it. Um, and so that's, that's what we should do. Uh, Carly, what did you think? What, right into it, what were your first thoughts of how this movie started off? Um, there was John Boyega, which mm-hmm. I like. And I was anticipating Robots and Monsters, which I like. So it started really strong for me. Um, I liked it, it opened up with a party John Boyega. Which is funny. Which, I love that little opener. Oh, he was a delight. He looks like he was having so much fun. Well, I was just happy to hear him talking in his normal voice. Oh my god. That made me so happy. Such a fitting casting choice to mm-hmm. follow Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Just vocally, it sounded it like he learned to talk from Idris Elba. Yeah. Like when you hear parental vocal patterns mm-hmm. in the kids, it, That's awesome. it was wonderful. Well, it just seems like so often we get actors and actresses who have to America Americanize their voices, mm-hmm. you know, no accents, and then you hear them. You're like, "Oh my god, I did not know. I didn't know, and I don't remember his name. Um, I should probably know this, but the, um, the uh, the 
black actor on Walking Dead who plays Morgan. He has the most traditional American voice in that show. Mm -hmm. And then you hear him for the first time, and he's British as hell. That's because immigrants are taking all our jobs. They're taking them all. (laughs) Forget the wall. We need to put up a a fence around the Atlantic Ocean. Just get more sharks. Get some sharks and... (laughs) Yeah, we, but it's it's one of those things that I'm just it's a it was a breath of fresh air to mm-hmm. find to when he started talking and I was like oh good like I probably should have gotten it from the trailer but I didn't and yeah I I was I love that opener with him it was pretty cool he did say like talking about his dad and he's like but I'm not like my dad at all and he's dancing my favorite part is as he's going through and explaining his his way of living he's kind of a he sells. Um, Jaeger parts and just pretty much anything he can get his hands on he's on the black market. Offense. Yeah, and but the funny thing is, is he's not selling his stuff for money. He's trading his stuff for Captain Crunch, Oreos, and cases of sriracha. Just glorious. I thought that was hilarious. Yep. The snacks come back later. They do. They do. So he goes and he. Um, did you ever watch? The Stars uh, Spartacus series. I didn't. The guy that he so John John Boyega's character uh, Jake is stealing parts, and he talks about you know if if you can get your hands on things that other people can't, you're gonna live well. Mm-hmm. And then he says you know as long as you stay out of you know the places like the um, was it the DDPC, which I still can't remember what that stands for, but like Pacific people protecting. Yeah. Um, they, the Jaeger military. The Jaeger military base, essentially, <laughs> yes. Um, and they cut into it, and the guy that he's stealing for played one of the main characters in the first season. Oh. And I was like, I have not seen him in anything, but he was such an asshole, and he was a very fitting character. Like, he's a small bit role in this, but oh, I was like... I wonder if he's typecast and hard to work with. He just has that face of, like, he's weaselly, you want to punch him mm-hmm. in the face. Um... So that was that was cool. I, I don't remember his name because I've only seen him now in two things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a cool callback. Um, but yeah, so he, he goes in, goes to look for this um, this power core, and it's not there. But his and I don't know what this piece of technology was that he had, but he has this like phone looking radar thing that's like, oh, the power core is nearby. It's moving now. Which that was to me that was very cheesy writing. Yeah, it it was bad. Um, it was a fun tool to get him where he needed to go in the plot, mm-hmm. but it did not make any sense that that technology would be able to track the thing he is looking for. And talk. It was like Siri. Talk. It was like talking to him. Yeah, she, she said, like, Target is moving now. And it's like, okay, what has he targeted about this? Explain anything? Well, I'm like, why do, why do they need him if that material that technology is out there yeah like, is, these guys were like trying to get him is to do this a it a special tool he has created yeah, himself maybe. i don't know that would lend some cool depth to his character but we didn't get that no what we get instead is a um basically a, a young thief who we later find out is one of our main characters amara who has stolen it right from under him mm-hmm. and gets away scot-free from the military base we still don't. We never find out how the military finds out where her her warehouse was. Um, but I think his sister has him chipped. Probably, <laughs> maybe that would make sense. <laughs> Again, 
I am already writing fan fiction in my head to explain <laughs> all of the plot holes. Of there was a movie. lot. There was a lot, but I'm good at writing fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the fan fiction. Well, as long as it stays PG-13, we'll fan be okay. fiction always fills holes. <laughs> and we're already past <laughs> PG-13 with that statement alone. <laughs> what? Plot holes? What? Plot holes. What are yeah. we talking about here? Head out of the gutter. Um... But yeah, so he goes and follows uh, Amara, the thief, who we find out very quickly after he gets there, um, to this warehouse, and we see this smaller Jaeger, um, which, can I, I still, let's let's just acknowledge the fact that these things are called Jaeger. Is there, and, and I don't know, is there a, a, a kind of a translation or a significance to that other? Hunter. Is it mean hunter? It means hunter. Okay, yeah. so then is Ye- what does Jägermeister mean? It, it's like the, the forest master, the gamekeeper. Uh, and so the Jägermeister was what you drank to stay warm when you were out being the hunter. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yes. Because I'm just, every time I s- listened to them say <laughs> Jäger, I was thinking of college and I almost threw up a little. I just yeah, oh, everyone's had a bad night. Every and I, I, I don't remember the comedian who said this, um, but I'm this is not my own joke. The he said that I think it's actually Gabriel Iglesias who said there's only one liquor that sounds the way it tastes, and it's Jaeger, and it's because you're Jaeg, like you're gonna vomit, mm-hmm. and it does. It's mm. so worse than Jaeger. I never had a bad Jaeger night, but there is an off-brand liquor. <laughs> Called Schwarzhog, <laughs> the black pig. I was gonna say, yeah. Where's the translation of that one? Yes, and um, oh boy, oh boy. I had a I had a rough night with a uh, coffee mug of Schwarzhog <sighs> playing Arkham Horror. That yeah. And now I can't drink Jaeger, which is decidedly better than Schwarzhog. Yeah, I remember that was like that was like one of my. I'd start the night with a Jaeger bomb. I don't know why. It's like you start the night with a Jaeger bomb, you're guaranteeing yourself a bad time. And not like, I didn't work myself up to that bad decision. I started no. my night on a bad decision. At least if you start there, you know where it's going to end. Exactly. You're not you know, fooling yourself. I'm, I'm not going to lead. let my night go up to chance. I'm going to force it down the shitter immediately <laughs> by my own hand. Oh, that's all of college. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> All right, so the uh, back on to the plot. So yes. the Jaeger, um, it's the smaller one. We find out very quickly its name is Scrapper. It's so cute. It looks kind of like the Pacific Rim version of Bumblebee. Yes. I kind of got that, that yes. vibe. And then when it would roll, it reminded me of BB-8, yeah. which made me yeah. happy. John Boyega, and you're like, Yes. Oh. Very precious. <laughs> I like. Where's Oscar Isaac at? <laughs> Why won't they kiss? <laughs> oh. We got time. There's still another. Yeah. There's still one more. Uh, but yeah, so it's, and there's this fight, there's, um, not great extra acting, honestly, mm-hmm. by, there's one part where, um, as the, the girl gets in, Amara gets into her, into Scrapper, Boyega gets in there as well, and they're like, oh, hey, we're gonna get out of here. They show the outside of the warehouse, and the extras are already running away, and then it explodes. Ooh. So, no sound, at least, you know, as far as the final production, editing, we didn't know... Anything was going to bust out of that other than the fact that we knew that's what was going to happen. So in my fan fiction, the ground was shaking. There you go. Okay. But no, there was no indication that there was a Jaeger in there. Yeah. And these guys are bolting. They Maybe are running. Maybe they had the same sensor John Boyega had. It, <laughs> your tracking device is showing this is coming at you at an alarming rate. A friendly, non-intimidating robot voice has told you 
Yeah, and, and I don't know. Like this opener was was fun. Um, as far as this like first battle, it wasn't really a battle. It was uh, like a chase scene it, mixed with. It was hardcore parkour robot. It was. It was parkour robot. Hard parkour. <laughs> um, yeah, it was because this thing is like jumping around everything, and um, then it starts to like roll up into a ball, and that doesn't make it faster. It didn't no. seem like it just it, made it more maneuverable. It makes it- ping pong around yeah. and it, it was a good billiards visual and it's it was important to show that it could do that because um it was like kind of this idea of like it fit into tight spaces and mm-hmm. it was a lot smaller so nimble um, yeah yeah it's just this like it gave it a flexibility that you wouldn't get with a normal jaeger yeah very maneuverable i don't think they made full use of that i agree i don't um, think they did and especially with how cute it was. Like, that's good marketing, guys. Use the cute robot. I, yeah, I I don't remember seeing Scrapper in any of the trailers. I remember seeing the four large ones that we see at the end. Did they show a shot of it going into the, like, sphere form? I think there Maybe. might have been one shot of yeah, I'm not that. Sure. But I am not... I may just be having implanted memories because i just saw that happen but yeah you're right like it made sense that because like for me it was the bumblebee it was like the Mm -hmm. quick and quick like little quirky robot that had an an atmosphere of like hey this would be fun to be like in this because you're rolling around in it as opposed to like almost awkwardly lumbering around in these huge ones well and there was there was a cute line uh before the the robot wins. Sorry, they're not robots. They're, they're not. mechs. They're, they're something. Uh, they're, I can't remember what they called them. Like mechs. Mech. Yeah, mechs. Yeah, yeah. I we can call them robots. People, right. if people are upset by us calling them robots, then that's probably the worst thing that they're gonna be upset about. We're good. Okay. We'll call them robots. All right. Robots versus. Aliens, just yeah. cowboys versus aliens, and yeah, we're we're, we're losing it here. We're losing <laughs> it. Sorry, I get distracted. Um, when when the robot is about to go into its sphere form, uh, there's the cute line about "Hold on, I am holding on," and that needed a, more of a callback. It yeah, was they such never, a cute moment. They they didn't draw on the relationship between these two as deeply as they could with uh, with mm-hmm. Jake and Amara um, you you get a very strong concept early on that they're both they both are, are like kind of like kindred spirits they although they come from two very different backgrounds he comes comes from a military family and she's just this regular kid that we find out later who's been orphaned mm-hmm. but there's really there's, there's really no reason why they should have anything in common, but they're very passionate about what they do, and they don't like to quit, and they're, they're fighters. Mm-hmm. But they never really... They, they played it up as much as they were going to, but they could have gone into a lot more. It was, it was definitely very well set up that they were two war orphans who were fighting against the identity the identity that the war gave them yeah and so she was fighting against her victimhood and he was fighting against being his father's son yeah and then they didn't really they they set up those two and then they didn't really draw the line between them yeah i mean by the end like there's nothing it's 
like he's he's very protective of her but it doesn't seem like it's her that he's protective of it just seems like he would be protective of anybody that mm-hmm. would be in that position with him so yeah is, is that a John Boyega thing because in Force Awakens when he just kind of latches on to Rey <laughs> it might be has he been anything in anything other than these two he has but I don't think I've seen it because these are, yeah these are the only two things that I mm-hmm. can remember he's yeah He's Finn, and now he's Jake. I don't... <laughs> he's that one Jake show I don't watch. Adventure yeah. Time. I, yeah, I don't know why I know that, because I've never seen an episode. Uh, yeah, but it's it's this weird little back and forth between... Uh, I don't know which one it was. Like It was something alpha. It's like pretty much the biggest, mm-hmm. most powerful um, Jaeger The one comes that out. looks like a police vehicle? Yes. Designed yeah. in... All blue. Yep. Yep. And it shows up, and literally, it's like a a full grown adult and a toddler. Like the mm-hmm. the size difference is huge, and then you have this like chase scene back and forth. And eventually, um, they it looks like they're gonna get away from the the larger Jaeger by using one of the power cores. Um, but then immediately, like it's fine. It it shoots barbs into it and shocks it, and then they walk out, and they're they're under arrest. There's about a 10-second turnaround between, we made it, this scrappy little thing is so good, and no, the law won. Yeah. And then very quickly, we have them into in a jail cell together. They're talking back and forth. Um, we get uh, uh, This is one of those moments where they were setting up. They're setting up this banter of them not really getting along, um, but both of them kind of being very similar in, in nature. But at this point... It's where it just takes a very quick turn. Uh, there were about three or four sharp shifts in this yeah. movie. And this is the first one. Um, Boyega's character goes into a interrogation room, and we see um, his sister. Uh, is it Mako or Mako? I think it's Mako Mori. I think it's Mako. Yeah. Okay, so Mako Mori, um, his sister from the first movie, who we we know her from the first movie. Um, she's there, but she's there in hologram form, and. Um, Saying basically, you have a choice. You can either you've, you've got priors. You, this is not good that you were caught in um, in stolen um, Jaeger tech. And she says you can either go to jail or you can come back to the the group. Um, you can be a ranger. You can train these new pilots in the Jaeger Corps. And he's like, all right, fine, I will. He's not like thrilled about it but it's either that or jail and he's like all right fine he goes Mm -hmm. and then we are in the the shatter dome um which i still think is like one of the most kick-ass names you can do it's like the thunder dome but with jaegers um and this is where we see kind of the the build-up of um scott eastwood's character as Mm -hmm. uh, lambert who he's like the tough guy who doesn't like the guy coming back and um and also I, i she was a minor character, but the love interest that was just kind of, yeah. it was awkward every time they came came on screen. I'm trying to see if I can find her name, but she, yeah, she was uh, not Reyes um, was Reyes. the character's name because yeah. that's a character in the Fast and Furious franchise. And <laughs> she so almost looked like her too, she did. like not the same actress, not at all, but definitely resemblance. Like, There's a resemblance. Reyes, are you a cousin? <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe they're, they're well. All right. You, yeah, we're gonna in my crossover fan fiction. You're going to have, you're going to find out that it's Jules Reyes. You ah. see it here. Jules Reyes and Fast and Furious Reyes, they're actually distant, not not so distant cousins. Yeah. She runs around in, in Jaeger. 
mechanical monster uh, robots, and the other Reyes runs around in stolen cars. Yep. Yeah, makes sense. It's perfect. It lines up really well. <laughs> but yeah, she was very much not necessary. Um, not at all. She didn't even really create any tension between the two. Like, it, she was meant to. No, she she seemed not to care. She seemed interested in both of them, but maybe interested in both of them at the same time. Didn't well, want to choose. The last time I remember seeing her, this is and this is right as you were leaving, so I don't know if mm-hmm. you saw it, but she kisses Eastwood's character. I saw it. And then she kisses Boyega. And he's like, that's that's not confusing at all. And that's literally the last time I remember seeing yeah. her. I honestly, after her first appearance, I expected her to die as a motivator for both of the men as she never chose between us so we'll both <laughs> save the world together. Yeah, I, I just, she was pointless. Literally a pointless character. Mm-hmm. Had no point to to anything. Caused maybe a little bit of a jealousy thing, but not enough that they didn't play off of it at all. No. They never really seemed jealous of each other. No, very quickly, Eastwood's character kind of accepted him for who he was. Yeah, well, like, and... Very quickly. Boyega had very early on the line about how handsome Eastwood is, <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. I loved I loved the almost improvised feel that a lot of his lines yes. felt like he just got to be kind of cheeky like mm. just a little bit throw a little camp into a, a sci-fi action movie. He felt very off the cuff yeah. constantly. It was very nice. As we get to the Shatterdome, we find out that um, there's there's a new there's a new major threat to the Jaeger um, corporation. And it is Shao Industries and their new drone program. Um, Charlie Day, one of my favorite people ever, um, most favorite people. He is, I, he's he's kind of a scientist, um, head scientist of this program. And uh, his connection from the past movie is that he knows he's. They even refer to it in this movie. If he knows kaiju um, biology better than anybody else. Um, so that's why he's there is because kind of he's they're utilizing you know his his knowledge and the problem that I felt with this though is this huge drone threat other than the t- the twist in plot really never felt like a threat to me it they they touched a little bit on is this actually secure technology can they be hacked can they be turned against us Um to say to indicate kind of early in the film you have the idea that people are building their own Jaegers. Yes. And so there is the idea that people are utilizing Jaeger technology for not good ends. Yeah. And so the idea that someone would hack drone Jaegers, um, but really it, it wants the conflict of the film to be uh, automation versus human. Yeah. It's it's very much a they're they're automating the factory and we're losing our jobs. <laughs> they took her down. Yeah. Yeah. I I just felt like it could have gone. I mean, the, for the plot, if I'm looking at the plot alone, it makes sense because mm-hmm. there are two or three moments where the drone situation comes into play that drives the plot forward. But they made it seem like it's this big presentation, and they were all very upset, and they're just like, "Oh, this is horrible!" Like, "Oh, this I don't I don't like this," yeah. but it just didn't feel like it was really a threat. There, there wasn't a lot of clarity on how the piloting system for the drones worked because there was also there were still pilots yeah. linked to the drones. Remote pilots, yeah. Um, 
But it seemed like the conflict was that whereas Jaegers take two pilots to drift with each other because to pilot a Jaeger it takes more neural Mm -hmm. interface, they were able to link a large number of pilots at a remote location to have the power to drift just the drones that they needed at any given time. Yeah. But then it all went. It went to shit quick, too. Like. We're, we're, we're not there yet, but when we get there, man, that, that really did. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so before, I mean, because before we kind of continue with the plot, because this mm-hmm. doesn't really matter, the scene that we see, um, but we have to talk it about it. A lot doesn't really matter. <laughs> You're like, which scene? There's like 20 <laughs> scenes that don't matter. Um, this is before, or actually, no, this is after, but we're going to jump ahead. This is after the Sydney situation, because it doesn't fit anywhere else, because mm-hmm. we're talking about Charlie Day's character, Newt. Um and Lee Wen, who is kind of the the swerve bad guy, she seems very maniacal throughout the movie until we find out well, she's not. Because she has her hair pulled back in a mm. scary business lady way. Yes. She is a woman with power. Women mm-hmm. with power will misuse it. She's controlled. She won't touch other people. She doesn't like shaking hands. You can see she is frigid. Oh. She's wearing all white. Mm-hmm. She doesn't touch the man who tries to touch her. And her hair's pulled back real tight. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's... Isn't that how Hillary lost? I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say it's how um, Bryce Dallas Howard started off yes, Jurassic World. It is. It was it was that transition of she has very put together hair mm-hmm. to by the end her hair's guy. down and she's got she's got a smudge on her face mm-hmm. and now she's gritty. Well it, it doesn't even just come down, so this is much later in the plot, I'm jumping ahead, but by the time she's helping, her hair comes down and gains texture. It's not straight anymore. Her hair is wavy now. It's because there's humidity in the air. The yeah. Tokyo air has gained humidity through sweaty. all the fire explosions that are happening. <laughs> but, yeah, so so I'm talking about Newt and Charlie Day. He comes home from work. And we're, we're both involved with Rock of Ages. Which if you're not familiar <laughs> with Rock of Ages, it's a musical. It's a jukebox musical. It talks about 80s. Basically uses a bunch of 80s music that already exists. Journey, Poison, and Pat Benatar and all that. And it turns it into a plot. Gives it a plot. Well, one of the songs that is utilized is I Want to Know What Love Is. And I Want to Know What Love Is is playing in the background as he is walking into his apartment. And I was expecting his wife to be, like, cheating on him or something. No, he, you know, he, he goes to his room and there's an, a kaiju brain that has been um, named Alice. There's like lipstick on the tank, Alice. Mm-hmm. And he links up with it and it's he's drifting it and basically seizing or orgasming. I don't know. A little it's bit of both. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really weird. But the fact of the matter is, is we cannot escape these songs. They are everywhere in our life right now. And so we get some, I want to know what love is. And I just was laughing. Yeah. I didn't immediately hear it. I kind of heard like tones and I was like, is that? It's is got that? a slow build. It does. And um, yeah, it, it definitely changed the tone of that scene for me. And again, like we, if you've seen the first movie, you knew he had a connection to, mm-hmm. you know, through the drifting with Kaiju Brain. And it didn't, it was for fun. The scene had no real impact on the plot, but it was it was funny. Um, so jumping or going back a little bit, um, 
Mako and the Xiao Industries are basically deciding if they need to move ahead with the drones, if they're ready, like you had said. Mm-hmm. They're not sure if it's if it's ready yet or if it's hackable, and they're, they're going to basically uh, make this huge announcement after a vote in Sydney, and it seems like they're going to... Well, Mako is the deciding vote. Yes, that's correct. And so uh, she has a long conversation with John Buiega about whether or not she thinks it's the right thing. Um, and so she, I got the read that she was still really on the fence and yeah. was the one threat to Shao Industries. Yeah, and, and so it makes sense when she is, because she asks um, John Boyega to basically, can you back me up? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of stress and I'm a little nervous because there's a lot, you know, like people, it would make sense for people to not be happy with me on both sides, either for or against. I'm going to make a decision and someone's going to be upset. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, sure. I got your back. Um, but he's also kind of hoping that she says yes, because then he won't have to be there anymore training anybody because he, you will no longer have cadets. You'll have these people who are remotely accessing, mm-hmm. um, so we get to, to Sydney, Australia, and uh, there's this announcement, and almost immediately after the Jaeger is dropped, we see like these flocks of birds. Yeah. It's like the in every natural disaster movie, as mm-hmm. soon as you see the birds going away, you're like, oh, something bad's going to happen. Or in Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Here we go. We're full circle now. Um, and a rogue Jaeger attacks. I thought it was going to be a kaiju. So there was a little bit of a spin there. Yeah. I was, I was yeah. swerved. Um, and it, it later gets named as Obsidian Fury, which I, I just have to laugh at these names. They're <laughs> so overly dramatic. We had, you know, I can't, re- I can't remember all of them, but I know we had Obsidian Fury. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, Gypsy Avenger. Um. Which the Gypsy is a callback to fighter planes. Yes. That is so true. So that one at least. I'm trying to see if I can find any but of the, the other others... ones. the others... Because there, there is a fan scene when they arrive at the base where they go through and see all of these famous Jaegers and give all of their names and, and their stats. It's a great rundown of... Oh, and it's kind of cool. Like, I'm yeah. excited about it. Like, all right, yeah. Let me see if I can find them all. Because, yeah, there, you, there's a you know bunch you're going to get to see all of them fight. <clears throat> yeah, and it's it preps you. Exactly. It preps you, preps you up for that. Yeah. Um, here we go. We have... Oh, that's um, the Green Ranger. He has a flute. Oh, it, yeah. It felt like, realistically, and I was I was explaining to Jordan, my wife, about um, kind of like what Pacific Rim, because I don't think she's seen it, but I'm like, I, I kind of like it. I think it's it's a fun um, element of, of a movie that, you know, you, you basically, you take a lot of Japanese influence and you make it mm-hmm. into like... They're not trying to make a Japanese-style movie American, but they take a lot of Japanese influences into their own concept. And that's why I like the first one so much. Um, But that was one of those things where it's like, it's basically Power Rangers. Yes. Like, more or less. Power Rangers was Japanese footage edited and cut in with American teens. So that's what I want. Which actually, you probably know this, but fun (laughs) fact... If you look at the fight scenes, <laughs> Yellow Ranger. Yellow Ranger. <laughs> so those of you, so Carly clearly knows. Um, if you are a Power Ranger fan, so if you look at the fight scenes where they're all in their Power Ranger outfits, there is only one of the Power Rangers, the Pink Ranger, who's wearing a skirt. The Yellow Ranger is not wearing a skirt because in the Japanese f- version, the Yellow Ranger was a man. 
It's a boy. It was a boy, yes. Well, they're all, yeah, very young little no, boy. But he was, like, a little boy who was a mischievous, like, dick to yeah. everyone. But it's funny because you expect, you, I mean, I, I remember watching it and having never noticed it until someone mm-hmm. brought attention to it. Or I think I saw it on, like, a Facebook, like, top, top ten things you didn't know about Power Rangers. I, I definitely like, I saw it in that. a Cracked article. Yeah, that might have been where I saw it, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I didn't know that so mm-hmm. there you go there's your fun fact for power rangers um and actually i will be making another power rangers reference shortly um <laughs> but yeah we have obsidian fury shows up oh and and by the way so here's some of your others i did find them um we have obsidian mm-hmm. fury who is unknown classification our other mark six uh style jaegers though guardian bravo titan redeemer gypsy avenger saber athena and november ajax just like and I don't November understand. Ajax is the cop one. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. So I don't know. Guardian Bravo, uh, Titan Redeemer, Gypsy Avenger, and Saber Athena. Those are your four main mm-hmm. ones that we see later on. Um, and I, the only thing I remember is Titan Redeemer is huge, and basically takes it takes three people. It takes three to pilot. And it's the one with like the big mace. If you've seen the trailer, it's got mm-hmm. this huge like ball mace that is on a chain. Morningstar, if it's on a chain, right? Yes. Yes. Sorry, let me push my nerd glasses hey. up here. <laughs> Fix, yeah. <laughs> and then Saber Athena is the fast one. Basically, like, I've, and I hear, every time I heard it, I was like, Saber Tooth Tiger, go. Like, <laughs> again, another power. Yeah. That was not my Power Rangers reference, but it's just they're, they're dripping in this movie. It, it is very much for kids who grew up watching Power Rangers yeah. and are now adults. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so this fight happens, and Obsidian Fury just shows up and beats the shit out of Gypsy Avenger. Like, just, there's there's nothing that is stopping. I think it gets one good punch in, and the rest is just Obsidian yeah. Fury destroying Dominating. It. Totally. Oh, just, and then it's got these two, the two blades that are flaming. They are literally on fire. You know what it reminded me of? Hmm. The kid on the playground, when you're playing, like, superheroes, and you're like, all right, I go super fast, and he's like, I have your speed times two! Yep. And you're like, all right, I have a giant mechanical sword. And he's like, I have two. And they're on fire. Yep. <laughs> that asshole. And, and it was funny because, like, you see them pull out. They do their, like, action and you get the sword. And then it pulls out two. And you're like, well, they're fucked. You know, yeah. they're done. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was a very drawn-out battle. But basically, mm-hmm. Obsidian Fury is just plowing through. Yeah. And in the process of this, um, you see... Uh, uh, Mako Mori, who is in a helicopter, um, it goes down and it crashes um, just literally out of the mm-hmm. fingertips of, um, of Gypsy Avenger. And um, he, Jake, gets out of the, the Jaeger and is running to his sister's crash site thinking maybe. Um, and then luckily, I mean, because otherwise the movie would have been very short because mm-hmm. Obsidian Fury is getting ready to just kill the rest of them. Um, the other Jaegers show up and it decides to go back into the ocean yeah. And leave. So, um, yeah. Interesting thing about the entire very long fight in a metropolitan area. Every time there were bystanders that you could see their faces on screen, they were very careful to show you that these bystanders live. But the amount of office buildings oh. it took out on a weekday. Oh yeah. And that was that was every fight scene in the movie. Buildings were high casualties. They did such a careful job of showing you bystanders surviving because I think the the film wanted death to have an impact. If someone died yeah. on camera, it meant something. Yeah. 
But my god, they did a bad job saving anyone who wasn't a face. Well, and that just reminds me, have you seen... Oh, uh, there's a movie that just came... Well, it's not that. I think it's called Monster. Um, it's probably not called Monster? Because it's about a serial killer. Colossal. Okay. It's about a monster. Have you seen... It's um, 2016. It has Anne Hathaway in it, and... Mm. Um, it talks about that. So this is mm-hmm. here's my here's my little one. I, I saw it I think on Amazon. So if you guys have Amazon Prime, check it out. Yeah, I do. Um, it is. It's got Anne Hathaway, Jason Sudeikis, um, Tim Blake Nelson. If you saw Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yes, He's I awesome. know Tim Blake Nelson. And, He's a delight. He was in um, uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. Yep. He's in Holes. I loved him in Holes. He's um, wonderful in everything. He's great. But basically, it's this uh, Anne Hathaway, and this is not an Anne Hathaway movie. Like, if you, like, you're like, oh, I don't like Anne Hathaway, so definitely watch this, because it's the exact opposite. She is um, this kind of party girl who finds out that she controls a monster, like a (laughs) kaiju-style monster, that shows up in South Korea, and her actions, when she gets blackout drunk, because she's a party girl actually are, are what happens <laughs> and she notices like and this is not a spoiler in the first mm-hmm. 50 i mean like the movie trailer everything makes it very clear that she is this monster or at least she controls it through her actions and it's it really talks about without giving any major spoilers in it it talks about the impact that a collateral damage mm-hmm. really truly has with these monster movies yeah um where she literally like breaks down crying when she finds out that she fell down and killed she she immediately is asking how many people died because yeah. she knew that she's the reason why and, well, and so yeah it's just, it just immediately makes me think of that because even if there was no one in people. those buildings how many people can't go to work on monday mm-hmm. are out of a job can't feed their sick child because the office building got destroyed and and there are shots of the Jaegers with their swords out running forward into battle, oh, yeah. but their sword is just slicing through building after building. Oh, they just like, don't care. Why? Yeah, is, that's the problem is it's not just the, the kaiju that no. are doing this. Um, the good guys. The good guys are doing this as well. Like, yeah. They will smash through a building for dramatic effect. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. Um, but as a result mm-hmm. of this um, this attack, the drone... De- the drone program immediately gets deployed it gets passed through um and this is where you start to see a little bit of a shift um lee wen seems to be a little she mentions you know this actually kind of was a positive because Mm -hmm. it showed everybody we need this and they did a good job because i thought she was the ultimate bad guy i thought she had sent that rogue Jaeger to attack yeah. to push her agenda. Absolutely bought into that. They did They did sell that one pretty well. I thought it was ham-fisted, her whole look and character, but I, I was going with it. It fit the yeah. movie. <laughs> you know, some of those, this is one of those movies that you would expect the stereotype. Yeah. If it's going to be there, it's going to happen. Okay. Like, you it's don't fine. have a problem with it because you I just know what they do. still get to see do. the robots and monsters fight, exactly. so the plot can be what it is. So right before we see this happen, right before the the helicopter goes down, uh, but we don't find out about it until a little bit later. Um, Mako sends out a kind of not a, a distress signal, but she sends out a piece of, of data. She sends a communication out right before it goes down. She's realized something, but mm-hmm. the Jaeger is jamming her signal. Yes, but with this like back flare <laughs> yes. thing that it does, it's even though it's not column. facing her. No, it's weird. Yeah. Um, 
So she sends out this signal, and it gets kind of decoded into this shape, and they're like, oh, that looks like kaiju. And they, so they look and see if it matches anything, and it doesn't. But it does match up with a, the shape of a mountain range in Siberia that is a, a former Jaeger power core factory. Yep. And, so the, and Boyega's character is like, I hope you don't mind if I go see what the heck is going on. <laughs> and he's like, all right, yeah, go ahead. Um, and so they go, like, and mm-hmm. immediately they're in Siberia, and it's like, all right, cool. They take Gypsy. They take Gypsy. Not just them. <laughs> yeah. They're just, yeah, they, they hop an, an Uber over to Siberia. No, they, like they, they, they get there, and <clears throat> almost immediately we, I mean, well, I, I take that back. They played it up a little bit. Um, Eastwood's character's like, eh, I guess it was a, a false lead. And he's like, oh, wait, I'm getting some, I'm getting some movement. And then he's like, oh, incoming. And then there's a big fight. Between yep. Obsidian Fury. Um, Obsidian Fury, which in the last fight was spectacularly OP. Oh my god, just destroyed. Just destroyed. Um, which I don't... I don't think really en- enough had happened for Eastwood and Boyega's character to be able to be le- so on the same page. Literally nothing happened between them, unless I'm forgetting something. The ice cream scene was before that, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that was before Sydney. It was before Sydney. So uh, apparently yeah. they're on the same page now because they they fought they oh, still got there. Boyega had admitted how beautiful Eastwood is. He did, but did he, he didn't do it to Eastwood. No, no, no. But he admitted it to himself and in my fan fiction. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you guys are writing all this down because you're gonna you're gonna be hearing it soon. Yeah. We're gonna quiz you afterwards about what is the fan fiction <laughs> going to be. Uh, but yeah, this time through, like here here's one of my other big plot points that I hope your fan fiction addresses <laughs> this like I understand that Obsidian Fury destroys the plant but why no like, there there is no explanation in the no film reason. as to why it is there as to why Mako realized that that location was involved in any way there's no like we had hints that it might be up and running again nothing Literally something was no in there because there was enough of there was some movement that He's like, hey, no, we got some action, but that's it. Yeah, and, and then he blew it up, and yep. and then their fight went nowhere near it. Yep, yeah, just out on that Siberian ice, because all of Siberia is just ice. Well, if you've ever seen a movie, you know that did, Siberia is ice. Did they read the Gulag Archipelago and think it was about an actual archipelago of islands? Because yeah, but, it because seemed it like it was on. It was weird. It I. So okay, you this fight happens, and then and I don't know how. Okay, physics. <laughs> physics to me, aren't a thing. I don't know. I'm I'm an English teacher, so I don't know math or science very well. But I know when you're falling down, you don't um, then all of a sudden go sideways when you crash out of something. Like gravity falls down, it does not immediately take a leftward turn, and they crashed out. Was yeah, that? when they were going down, they fell down a ravine. Yeah, they were they're down this huge cavern, this ice cavern, and then all and of a sudden they like were outside of it because they went side. I don't remember like them busting through. It just seemed like they kept falling down, and, and then, then they were out. Yeah, I I cannot recall how they got out that of the ravine weird. and back out onto ice. Yeah, they, but they do. They're yeah. fighting. They're fighting going back and forth and then like remember our old move and because mm-hmm. they're getting destroyed um 
and they basically they decide that it's better to fall into water than to get destroyed and like oh it makes sense so they go down into the water they kind of trap the uh, obsidian fury and as like they are charging at each other they do basically any like the most <laughs> the most generic sword fight move of someone going high and them going low i'm like that's yeah. not your move that's it's- just Sword fighting. Run really fast up high, and then you slide under their sword. Yeah. Ooh. I, I don't know. And that's yeah. that does enough damage for them to be able to literally punch its heart out. I don't know. It was it was very anticlimactic for how much Obsidian Fury destroyed them in Sydney. And it's not like they did research on it. They just gave it a name. That was the only difference. So... It was very satisfying in the terms of emotional impact yes. that that killed his sister and he punched its heart out. Yes. I, and I, I like But it didn't make any sense. Yeah. But it was satisfying. And they rip off its face. Like, Who yeah. are you? And it's a blob. It's a brain. Yep. It's kaiju. A little tentacle blob. Yep. So we find out Obsidian Fury is being controlled by a kaiju brain. Which is um, what we just saw in like the previous scene in Newt's office. Yes. Or house. Yeah. That's Alice. Yeah. Alice. Alice. So we, we have our first kind of swerve. And at this point, um, things shift again so <laughs> this is i think this is a good time for us to take a quick little break so go ahead i know i need to i don't know about you guys but i need to use the restroom i need to go and go to the lobby refill my drink grab some more popcorn and uh we're gonna I'm see what's coming jujubes. she's gonna grab some jujubes she's been listening she's been listening guys uh go ahead and see what is coming up soon from eventide if there's one thing that's true about wrestling fans it's how much they like to talk about wrestling Join Aaron Lopez and Ben Norsworthy for the Top Rope Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Tune in every episode and be ringside as these two break down all of the big matches in the world of professional wrestling. Brought to you by Eventide Entertainment. You know, there's nothing quite as satisfying as a good conversation with intelligent company. Join comedian Don Smith every week as he sits down and talks with comedians, actors, filmmakers, writers, and everyday schmoes. It's The Life with Don Smith, Wednesdays at noon on 106.9 FM, and now available on the Eventide Entertainment Podcast feed every Friday on Spreaker, YouTube, and iTunes. Welcome back to the second half of this week's episode. We just gave you the quick rundown that Obsidian Fury was being controlled by a secondary kaiju brain, and this is where we kind of get a major shift. Um, we were talking um, about these shifts, and for me, they, they kind of like... We have, we've got Lieb, who is one of the, the scientists... Um, who I, I love the character. He's the, he's the most evil-looking actor ever, though. He looks like... Um, if you ever see Victorian taxidermy that is not good, where it's a, an exotic animal that they've never seen before alive and they have to try to taxidermy it into how they think like a lion would look, he looks like an alien did that with a human. Yeah. And that's the meanest thing I will say because he's a phenomenal actor. Oh, and he's, he's great. Uh, Bern Gorman's his name. 
Um, and, you know, if I'm trying to look through some of the things. He was in Doctor Who. He was in Doctor Who. He was in the first, I mean, clearly the first mm-hmm. Pacific Rim. Um, he was in, um, oh, what's it called? Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's been in a decent amount of stuff. I mean, like, he's been in some pretty bad movies, too. <laughs> Looking through, he's been in Fred Claus, The Best Man, um, Penelope. Mm, Penelope. Um, so, yeah, he definitely has been in his his bad uh movies but he's a good actor mm-hmm. um but he's, he's never a really a lead guy character for him he's a yeah this is really strong um <clears throat> so yeah he oh yeah and he was also if you guys have ever seen turn the washington spies amc show that was uh, decent it kind of got weird and eh, i don't know he's also in game of thrones for apparently for a couple yeah he's, he was carl tanner i don't remember him as that but I yeah. remember him because his face frightens me so much. He's, I mean, he's one of those people that, like, you, if you see him, you know him. He's one yeah. of those actors that you just, you can't miss him. Doesn't look like anyone else. But he, his character comes into play, um, not for the first time, but for the first time with some meaning, um, where they pull the kaiju brain, and they have it, and he's going through it, and he's like, this came from our universe. It didn't show a breach, mm-hmm. and that was a big, big deal, because a breach would have, shown up and they would have been like okay here's what this is but there hadn't been breaches in 10 years yeah so they're like this is this means that there's a human involved um and so they immediately are like oh it's lee wen xiao industries because um we see um what's her name amara there we go I was um, gonna call her marabou so amara is pumped she's like we we have something here that mm-hmm. jaeger which uh, obsidian fury has been transported back to um the dome and you, you she's trying to convince all the other cadets like hey we need to go check that out it was very battlestar galactica up yes. in there and here's something too and this this probably speaks to just how her character is written we've gone through half the movie and haven't talked about her other than the beginning yeah she was in more of the movie but it was basically the I came in here, no one likes me, they, you know, like, I don't belong here, blah, 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 blah. It was boring. Like, her yeah. character arc was not that exciting. They did a good job setting up something that was something we have seen in a million movies and could not pay attention to and still follow. Yes. Which was the outsider in a group of cadets. There is the angry female cadet who has to prove herself. There is the goofy male cadet who doesn't really fit in, but everyone likes because he's the heart of the team. And then there's the Russian. And then there's the Russian. <laughs> there's oh, always the Russian. Oh, what was his name? Not Yuri. Uh, oh, not Alexei. It's a very Russian name. I, say, I knew someone with that you name. You got like one more and then you'd have it probably. Yeah. It's um, not Vlad. It's a two syllable ends in an I. Oh, gosh. I'm, I think... <laughs> no, that can't... Because he's... Okay, hold on. He's... No, it's not... Is it Vic? No. Vic is the no, girl No, that's the Russian. girl, because Vic for Victoria, but that's not her name. But if you call her Victoria, she'll be... Um, Ilya? Ilya. Ilya? Yeah, Ilya. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't meet a Russian Ilya. I met an American Ilya. That's why I couldn't remember it. Well... We'll get to it. We, we have a yeah. very important discussion. Uh, we're probably one of the favorite moments of the movie uh, with Ilya that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but so basically they're going and very quickly. Like So all of a sudden they're like, okay, the drones are being sent out tonight. 
mm-hmm. we need to infiltrate and figure out what's going on. We need to talk to Newt because he knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they send Gottlieb to go to find Newt, and these two have this connection from the first movie. They were yes. both the ones that drifted with the kaiju brain. And it was adorable when they decided to send Gottlieb. His reaction was, I have a mission, but you could see the subtext, which is, I have a part in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> because he, he really hadn't been in it up till then. He was he was basically the connection to the first movie. Like, yeah. he was just, hey, he was in the first movie. Remember this guy? Yeah. Like, he's still this. And Yeah, and absolutely. He's like, I have a mission. You're like, yes, cool. Yeah. Um, it's like, I'm not just here in the background. Um, but and then I don't know how he gets there that quickly, but like that night, and then he shows up. None of the timeline makes sense. The timeline in the whole at this movie. point is real weird. You have jumps. no idea. Um, it was they gave the deadline of forty eight hours to get the drones active. Yes, and and it was yeah. The the whole concept at this point. So that they they go to start this whole process. They uh, are trying to activate the drones. <clears throat> we see them kind of shut down the building because they're like, we don't want anybody to, to be in here who doesn't have clearance. And um, Gottlieb finds Newt and is like, we've got to go. Something's going wrong. Um, we've uh, Shao Industries has been found. And the reason why we kind of skipped this mm-hmm. um, is that when Amara and the and friends were in this, they she found the, the coils for some of the material that was in here was Shao Tech. Yeah. She's like, Shao Industries has something to do with this. They're the only ones who coil the wires counterclockwise in this specific tubing. Of course they are, Amara. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that wraps that plot hole up. Um, so, yeah, and, and she gets kicked out. You know, like, I, of course, she went in somewhere that she shouldn't well, be, and she, she got she her... When she cut open a wire, something dripped out and burnt Ilya's arm. Yeah. Or was it Ilya? No, or was it was... It, uh, it was one of the other guys. It was the the, the Asian one that yeah. she got kind of got friends with. Yeah. Um, the, the buff alpha male Asian guy. Yeah, I can't remember which... Because there were two... Um, I thought there were two Asian... Yeah, um, but it was the more buff one, who was, like, the leader. Ryochi? He was the Red Ranger of the cadets. Yes. Yeah. So he gets he gets hurt, and a combination of that and them being where they're not supposed to be, and Amara mm-hmm. gets kicked out. Um, she goes, "Well, hey, you know, like she's she's a trooper about it. She's like, yeah, okay, I don't belong here anyway, yep. and it's fine. She's more concerned about her friend, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But she tells about the tech, and so then they go and they go to Shao Industries, sending Gottlieb. Gottlieb finds Newt, says something's up, and he's like, okay, great, like we we need to go, and immediately they get caught." And they go in the elevator, and there's a funny moment. Like, they just, for some reason, these two tiny little white guys (laughs) are able to beat the hell out of four larger Asian men with, like, a stick. To be fair, Gottlieb takes on three of them. (laughs) Yes. And Newt is still wrestling one when we cut the scene. Yeah. We have to assume that Gottlieb helped him with the fourth. Yeah. And it's, uh, which I think is great, because, like you said earlier, Gottlieb's character is not that important. So to give him a moment where he's actually strong enough to take out three larger men. And it's established through the films, he needs that cane. Yeah. Yeah, he's limping around quite a bit. But for him to turn around and just beat these security guards was a a very satisfying scene. Well, and so this is is where we see um, the drones attack. Um, the drones start attacking, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was actually a really cool moment. So we have these drones that essentially look like Jaegers, um, 
a little bit more like robotic. Yeah. You can tell there's no well, like their faces are almost all like white plastic looking Apple yeah. products. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they very much look like if Apple came out with a Jaeger. I Jaeger. I Jaeger. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of cool because you see the the. I guess you can call it like the brain um, that kind of starts to spaz out a little bit and then all of a sudden like this brain overtakes it. Yeah. And it's it's very much like to me um, what happens when if you've ever – have you ever played Gears of War? Mm-mm. There's this concept with there's um, the like the bad aliens but if they get like taken over by this like alien – or like this like – disease Mm -hmm. then they start like sprouting like tentacles and it's like a monster that can kind of becomes even more monstrous Mm -hmm. and that's what this was it like you could see like the the kaiju kind of working its way through and it was very like broken bones like very like shattering through the exoskeleton of the jaeger that it was it It was was, like gross looking but like if the if they were like hulking out yeah. Like, almost. Like, it's like they, they were transforming without really transforming, but um, it was a cool moment. Like, I visually, I thought that was pretty cool. It it could have gone further into body horror, I thought, mm-hmm. because there are parasites on Earth that do control yeah. the corpse of the thing that they have been living off of. Mm-hmm. But because it was a Jaeger, and it's just a silly robot, and because they built the drones as a, like, soulless group mm-hmm. entity it it wasn't that level of viscerally disturbing that i would have enjoyed but wasn't necessary yeah i mean it was kind of cool the these two they have two drones and i don't know why the drones were being transported to the shatter dome but they were um I, it sounded like they were deploying them to all established military bases as like this is where a jaeger would be anyway this protection or yeah, yeah. i yeah but so these two of them show up, and as they are being helicoptered in, they have they transform and like mm-hmm. fall down toward the base, and like use the helicopters as like little whips and just like whip them around. And you see the um, the pilots, the drone pilots, who are all linked together one by one, just convulsing, yeah, and losing brain function, yeah. basically. And it's, like, immediately, like we had said, like, so things are going well, like, everything's in the green, and then immediately you see one red, and then boom, 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 boom. Yeah, there's no unraveling the mystery Mm -hmm. of who sent this Jaeger. It's, oh, it was Show Industries. Oh, my God, the world's ending. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was, it it was, and and the, the, here's the thing, too, is that almost immediately, we we get I was we were talking about this elevator scene. They get um, Newt and Gottlieb get up the elevator. They come out and she's he uh, Newt's like I got a back doorway. I, I figured eventually I was gonna want to do this. He goes in, presses like a button, and then it's like boom, everything's him. It's like yeah. big swerve. Which I I have to say, like you said earlier, I thought Lee Wen was the bad guy. I mm-hmm. thought she was the villain. Um, and so when the swerve came, I was not expecting it. Even at, they set up. Newt to be really sketchy. They did a lot of things uh-huh. to foreshadow that turn. I mean, up to and including him having a alien brain wife that he like mind melds with for pleasure. Yeah, and I still didn't expect. Well, and and like we look back on it, it's a it's a very clear hint. Yeah, but outside of the context of him doing that, they they it doesn't make sense. Up, uh, Lee. Way? Lee Wen. Lee Wen. Yeah. Uh, I knew a guy named Lee Wei. Lee Wen to be uh, the bad guy so strongly, and it's a movie with no subtlety that we 
believed it. Yeah, and and so everything about Lee Wen was she's she's the villain. Mm-hmm. Everything oh, to yeah. like even moments before we find out that Newt's the the swerved villain. Um, she's looking and she has this reaction to seeing something that she's like, I'll be in my office. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, she's going to her office to see how everything's going to unravel, like her yeah. master plan. Well, it is implied, I thought, that she has realized that her uh, Jaeger has been destroyed and she might be found out. And that's what she needs to go to her office to deal with. Yeah, I can see that. I can like, see that. That was that was what I thought, but it, it, I have no idea what she was. I, don't, I think maybe she just had to fart and didn't want to do it in front of everyone. Maybe I in don't my know. fan fiction. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's weird because we don't. That's one of those we don't get an answer as to what happened. Um, but we do find very quickly that once Newt is the villain, then she comes in and like, "What have you done? Like what?" Yeah, so like you, she, you've ruined my life's work. Exactly. And so then she immediately jumps from potentially being the villain to being one of the good guys and mm-hmm. trying to figure out a way to stop this. And very quickly her hair is down out of its updo. And it's luscious. Oh, yeah. Oh, Just yes. shiny and beautiful. <laughs> and she is the only one who has potentially the, the ability to stop these drones. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the drones back at the Shatter Dome who are just destroying everything. They have immediately isolated and taken out um, all of the... Uh, the Jaegers, uh, they have destroyed a lot of, I mean, like, the main commander gets destroyed yeah. immediately, like, his whole command center gets blown the, up. The scene from the pre, or not the prequel, the uh, promo, where he's just screaming, mm-hmm. that's his death. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very clear that they are trying to destroy every potential way of the um, humanity fighting back. Yeah. And um, it's because of Lee Wen being able to um, shut down the uh, all of the the drones mm-hmm. that one er, all of our main characters survive and um, the, all the breaches shut because all of the, immediately once Newt takes over they start opening breaches yeah uh, which is important because that kind of gets us to our last you know fourth of the movie because three kaiju actually get through they're all excited oh yeah we shut down all the breaches and then everything gets red oh no three three kaiju. Three kaiju. Uh, and so what three kaiju you get through. levels? They were two, fours, and a five. Right. Um, and I don't remember the names of them. He gave them names, but... They, I don't. I don't remember recall. what they were. So yeah, three kaiju get through. Um, and they immediately start to, to piece together things that they didn't figure out over, what, 15 years of uh, war? That don't really actually track with the first movie They don't at all. At all. It just got... So they, to, to explain, you, they look at, okay, the past kaiju attacks and where they happened and the, they were tracking their movements. So where did they show up and then where do they show up next? And where, you know, it's so like, where are they going? Where are they going? And they're like, oh, it's Mount Fuji. And then they're like, all right, look at what these three that have gotten through, which apparently mm-hmm. they just find out, but they've got enough data on mm-hmm. these three to also track them. And they're like, oh, they're going to Mount Fuji. It was very much, why were they attacking our coastal cities? Not to wreck the cities, but because the cities were in their way. And I'm like, well, no, if you pop up on the coast of Los Angeles and you're trying to get to Mount Fuji, you don't wreck Los Angeles. You don't Angeles. go through LA, yeah. Which, back to back to Sydney for just a second, at the opening scene, I was really glad that they rebuilt the opera house from the first yes. movie. Yes. <laughs> they, they even showed it. They're like, look yeah. at this new shiny, look. exactly looking opera oh, house. Oh, no, no, it's because it's got the... It's a little different. Was it's it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice yeah, that it was different. It's a little different. 
Because for me, I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's the Opera House. And I didn't notice that was there. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Continuity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got to love it. But yeah, I, I was a little disappointed that immediately they, within like 10 minutes of finding out these kaiju had, had appeared, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, they're going to Mount Fuji. Which in years of war with these, they never <laughs> found that out. Like, well, I, I just was to be fair, not thrilled with that. All of the that. kaiju are men and they wouldn't stop to ask for directions. <laughs> so they were going all over the place. There's no... Yeah. No so way of figuring it out. It's your 90s comedy for the... <laughs> so they, they, they... And why are they going to Mount Fuji? Well, earlier we find out through uh, Gottlieb that uh, he's he's messing around with kaiju blood as a form of fuel to mm-hmm. kind of fuel his his kind of pet project of finding a way of <laughs> attaching jet rockets and jet power. Yeah. And he's like, if you combine some of our like rare earth minerals with this blood, it it very highly combustible. Yeah. They react very well. And which is another good swerve because as soon as um, Newt finds out about this, he's like, you can't do this. Like, you need to stop mm-hmm. doing this. Which he actually, in all reality, would probably think this is a great idea. Yep. Burn everything. Um, because the whole goal is if they if they get to Mount Fuji, they essentially could sacrifice themselves, these kaiju, um, to basically explode the ring of fire <laughs> which i'm like that's great uh, around the pacific rim and yeah. eventually uh, put out enough uh poisonous gas that would terraform the earth for the precursors to be able to inhabit it so when they weird. said it would explode around the pacific rim i had a great moment where i thought pacific rim that's the title of a movie isn't it and it took me probably three more lines of dialogue in the film to remember Oh, that's the title of this movie. <laughs> I, it was that they they said they never said uprising though, which I was yeah. disappointed. But um, it's always that that Peter Griffin moment where when you hear the name of the movie, mm-hmm. they said it, and I'm yeah. done. I can leave. But it was it was very well placed within dialogue that it it did not occur to me yeah. that it was the movie I was watching. <laughs> yeah, it was not very. It was it was very subtle. Yeah, very there subtle. wasn't the wink at the audience. Oh, we called it this. <laughs> Where the music changes oh so subtly. Uh, So at this point, they're like, how many do we have left? How many Jaegers do we have left? And they're like, we have one. And so we're like, well. Of course it's Gypsy for thematic elements. Every, yeah, everything has to be Gypsy. Um, Which, do you ever watch Mystery Science Theater 3000? I've seen a couple episodes, but not probably enough to get a reference. Gypsy is a robot. She's the one that looks like an old-fashioned vacuum cleaner. Okay, okay. And so every time I say gypsy as a robot, I picture that gypsy. (laughs) Which actually, Mystery Science Theater is how I watched a lot of Japanese monster movies. That's awesome. It's um, it's my number one. Maybe that's where they got it. I don't (laughs) know. I wonder. But so then we have a really cheesy montage moment. Oh, it was amazing. It was. (laughs) It was the robot salvage montage. It It was. was very important. (laughs) And... You get the four Jaegers, the ones that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. who they are like, all right, we're going to fix everything. Um, and they fix everything. Because and that, ha- this yeah. is where, what is her name again? Amara. Amara gets yeah. reinstated because John Boyega says, oh, well, you built your own Jaeger out of scraps so you can help us repair these Jaegers before the kaiju get to their objective like 10 miles away or whatever. Yeah. The, again, this the timeline. This is where the timeline completely dies it's yeah because they they not only are able to completely repair four or three i guess and even probably do some repairs to the fourth Mm -hmm. um but completely repair 
three non-working Jaegers, but also attach jetpacks to them, yes. create enough, because I didn't know they had this much <laughs> uh, of the, I almost said tiger blood, <laughs> um, this much kaiju blood and all these minerals on hand Yeah. to create the fuel and also create the thrusters. And it was just like, okay, everything was just so... Because when you, like they say in South Park, when you have to go a long way in a short amount of time, you do a montage. And they did. It seemed like a really long montage, though, because I went to the bathroom and came back, and it was at the very end of the montage. Yeah, the only thing you missed in the, like, three, four minutes you were Mm -hmm. gone was uh, Jake giving an inspirational speech that was kind of like him talking about how his dad used to give them and he's not good at them but then he also ended up giving one in the fact that he said he wasn't good at it that's it and then they got all they all got into their jaegers and they blasted off yeah i i came back right for the countdown to blast off the jaegers and uh, the theater we're at has reclining seats and i got to recline my seat perfectly timed to the countdown it was a wonderful 4d movie experience (laughs) well we got to talk about this blast off because (laughs) this is where our moment comes in so you want to go ahead and talk about it? Um, well, one thing before the blast off. Yeah, yeah. The whole time they're talking about how many Jaegers they have left and having to repair them and and using, what is her name again? Amara. Amara. I'm the worst at names. Uh, using Amara to repair all of these, they do. They very carefully do not mention Scrapper, the Jaeger that she built, that mm-hmm. they showed being brought to the base. Yeah. It, like, it shows up almost at the same time she does. Yeah. And then and very then, clearly is, is not so subtly, well, very subtly never talked about. Yeah. Ever. So you're sitting there the whole time. They're like, well, how many Jaegers do you have left? Oh, only Gypsy. And it's like, well, you, you got a little one. You've got something there. You got, you got a thing that's probably still working. You're like, eh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so you can go on with the blast off. So we get the blast off and Ilya, uh, who's our, our Russian, um, all of a sudden like starts pressing things and is the, is it the, the lull, 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 the guy? <laughs> Trollolo. there you go. So if you haven't yet watched this, you haven't lived. Um, but you gotta go and look up, it's T-R-O-L-L-O-L. And if you start typing that yeah. into Google, you will then get this song. And it's you a can guy also singing. search Russian Lawrence Welk. There you go. <laughs> And he's like, he starts singing the la 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 la, <laughs> and the other guy that's with him is like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, my grandma used to ha- play this song for me. It, it relaxes me." And he's like, "It's creeping me out." And this guy's creepy. He's got it's this weird so look on his face. Um, so check it out if you if you don't know what we're talking about, and if you do, you know exactly what we're talking about. Um, and it's just a funny mo- moment because this hasn't been this this video hasn't been relevant in like five years. Oh, it's yeah. been. It was one of the was early YouTube movies. when it was viral? Yeah. Like... It has not been relevant for a long time. So pretty much, again, all the people who watched Power Rangers... Yes. ...would have seen this video when it was when it went <laughs> viral, so then it was a nice little nod. Um, but it's funny because all of the, the teenagers that were the cadets would have had no idea what no this clue. is. And any of the kids Except and teenagers for... who went to see this movie... Would have been like, okay. all right, cool. Like, I didn't really scope out the audience much to see. I the I the our row had mm-hmm. a pretty varied um, kind of group of people. I saw uh, like a dad and his two kids um, off mm-hmm. to the side of us. There seemed to be like um, maybe a, a girl in her like twenty mid twenties and her mom and like mm-hmm. it didn't seem like a traditional sci fi action yeah. type of crowd. But but it's a I fun. Don't know. Movie. That's good. It was fun. Yeah. Um, 
So they go, and we have this big fight. Um, the kaiju are destroying Tokyo. Um, the three of them have immediate... Which, which I don't get. I'm sorry. Yeah. How long... They had enough time to build all the robots. They did not have enough time to evacuate Tokyo. They knew they were going to Fuji. They knew they were going there. Why did they not... And they have these underground shelters people are trying to get to. But it's like the kaiju strolls into Tokyo and people are like, oh, let's get to shelter now, I guess? And yeah, absolutely. Every single time we saw this, like, well, one in one particular time, we saw like a ton of people go into one of these like underground pods that was like clearly made for kaiju attacks. It looked like subterranean parking. Yeah. And like you get a bunch of them that run in and there's clearly space in there still. And it's like one person's tapping the elevator closed door. <laughs> and it's like, that's such a dick move. This guy, like everyone runs in and they're like, no, sorry, you're out of luck. And then yeah. this monster's foot comes down. And so probably everybody dies, but, um, no, no, again, it very carefully shows you people dodge out of the way. Oh, that's right. Even though they are right. left outside for kaiju attack in a city that could have been evacuated or I gone just to the don't, shelter pods. I don't understand why that is so hard to do. But also, don't get it. they had these subterranean shelters, but then they kept showing kaiju burrowing through the earth. Yeah. So, I, why? 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 I don't know. <laughs> we're, I mean, it's. I, I enjoy the movie, but there's yeah. just... We're coming up even with more plot holes than I thought there were as we're going through. And it's <laughs> oh, just, there, there are a lot. There are quite a lot of them. Um, so, eventually, the, the four Jaegers show up. Um, we have this big fight between... Um, basically, they've got... Um, the Titan, the three-person one, and Gypsy Avenger, who go and fight the big one. Mm -hmm. And then the other two go and fight the smaller ones. And it's like, I clearly would have taken, um, what was the one that I was saying earlier? Um, what's the fastest one? Do you remember that? I name? can't ever remember the names. But yeah, the fast but the one fast that one. looks kind of girl-shaped. That one was kicking all the ass. Oh yeah, it was amazing. That one was like... Maneuverable? Yeah, I want that one on my team. I mm -hmm. don't want the big, huge one that can barely swing... Um, a morning star. There we <laughs> yeah, go. I sorry. remember a morning star. Yeah, no, I, I, I clearly want her on my team. Uh, yeah. I keep saying well, I want to say Alexa. That's not right. Just keeps me making me think of like Google stuff. Well, so honestly, if I were if I were scheduling this fight, I would put her up against the biggest kaiju. Mm -hmm. I would send whoever I think is the weak link on the team to fight one of the small kaiju, and the other three would go against one of the small kaiju and try to completely disarm it before, again, yeah. teaming up on the other small kaiju. Well, but and that's the thing is it's like it was such a, a back and forth because immediately it seemed like they, especially the one that we can't remember the name of, the, mm -hmm. uh, but that was the, the one that Ilya was in because they go in like, they're like, yeah. or no, it's not. No, it's no. not. He's in the, the He's weakest one. The one random one that gets just destroyed. Yeah. The um, spare parts, Jaeger. Essentially. Yeah, it was I can't remember the, the Guardian Jaeger. Guardian or something. I don't remember what it's called. Um but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not sure what they were trying to do because it seemed like they were they were gonna win. Like they were doing really well. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they go up against the major one, um, Gypsy Avenger does. And you see that it is kind of doing the Black Panther thing. Yeah, it was it like, absolutely a vibranium suit. Yeah, like it's like no, the the head plates. It's, uh, Gottlieb is noticing. He says that the head plates are absorbing every bit of energy and 
deflecting it back mm-hmm. to you. So you're doing no damage and to it. And he would launch it out as a bolt through his tail, which was very cute. It was very, it was, it was adorable. But this is where we get a little um, over the top with the amount of collateral damage. Yeah. They are literally, not just accidentally knocking over buildings, they're using their like gravity thing yeah. to purposely pull buildings on top of it and the first one yes. doesn't work, so they throw another five or six on it before yeah. they finally just say, mm, I don't think the buildings are working. The, the idea is that their, their like fist energy is what it's absorbing, so building energy it can't absorb, and they can just knock buildings <laughs> and over And it doesn't. It. it doesn't at yeah. all. Like you, you see like the blue beams that are like coming out, or like the, that kind of show the energy mm-hmm. being absorbed. It's not absorbing anything. Yeah. Um, so at this point, you see... Uh, Newt, who is in in Tokyo, who never really left, um, we which we don't know how he got to Tokyo. Yeah, he's he's they're like, where's he at? Where's he? oh well, he's he, in Tokyo. He just disappeared. He's gone. When Lee Wen showed up, mm-hmm. he just kind of the moons. And he shows up, and he, uh, what were they called? The like, he he basically releases all of these little robots. I don't think they gave him a name. It was just I, like I, for some reason I want to say there's an like, automated factory of Shao Enterprises. Yeah, I, for some reason I thought um, that it had some sort of like a name on it. Like they didn't say a name, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's not worth it. It um, was a very release the flying monkeys. Moment. Yeah, and it it seemed. Here's what they reminded me of. If you've ever seen like the second and third Matrix movies, mm-hmm. the those drones, Squiddy things. This, yeah, they had like these tentacles, and they used these tentacles to graft together. <laughs> and I, the, here's my my Power Rangers reference. Yes. The Newt and these squid te- tentacle things create a kaiju Megazord. So I have a completely different reference for that, okay. which is. The whole time. And it is a long sequence that these little squid monsters are fusing the kaiju. All I could think was, kaiju centipede, feed her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was, it was, because it was gruesome. Yeah. It was well, it a, seemed like it was, like, destroying parts of the body and using other parts. It ripped them apart. Yeah. And it was it There was, was blood brutal. fountaining everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bright blue kaiju blood. Yeah. But it was... A gruesome transformation, and yeah, and, and this is this is a little disappointing because you see this in mm-hmm. the first trailer. You know this is the ultimate monster they're gonna have to fight, and the so big like baddie. it's like why would I see? I don't get trailers anymore. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> I know that like the Marvel ones with the new Infinity War are being very particular and careful what they show, but I still like I haven't seen the more recent one that everyone's talking about. I don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. I know I'm gonna go see the movie. I'm excited to see the movie. I don't want to be spoiled before I even walk in. Yep. So yeah, and, and I, so that's why I was a little disappointed. Is nothing? There was no swerve as far as the monsters. There's no mm-hmm. swerve. Kaiju swerve. There was no. Uh, I mean, the biggest swerve is the usage of uh, Scrapper. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, it just it yeah. wasn't it was not too too interesting as far as um, I, that went. Uh, but they they create he creates this like major kaiju like all, the the Megazord whatnot yes. major kaiju, and it just kicks all the ass like oh, yeah. its roar alone knocks them over like which <laughs> was such a dumb moment, and I love dumb, but. 
it was stereotypical. Like, you expect a monster. Like, it's the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. After the big reveal, it's going to roar. Yes. But it just felt like... There are so many moments in this movie that they do the stereotypical thing and they embrace it. And then immediately someone has a clever line about it. Mm -hmm. That that was supposed to just be a real moment where it's a large and frightening thing and we're supposed to be scared. Yeah. I was waiting for it to be undercut by something, and I was sad that it wasn't. Well, and they, they yeah, they build it up as one thing, and then they don't deliver. It's like mm-hmm. you be what you're either be what you're going to be or don't be yeah. something different. But don't don't play with my emotions like this. Yeah, don't toy with me, kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so yeah, as we're saying, this kaiju just kicks everybody's ass. It literally, um, I mean, it kills one of them immediately. Yeah. Um, and, and, the, and the sweet guy. The, yeah, the, nice the, guy. the Indian kid. Yeah, he was going to be a booby doctor. He was going like to be a booby doctor. <laughs> like, my dad's a plastic surgeon. He doesn't just work with boobs. Like, yeah. And then we're he even makes a joke about, like, I, I'd much rather be working right now with boobs. Yep. Like, me and you, you and me both, kid. Yeah, um, we all would. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, yeah, so then you have that one that goes down and essentially starts just picking them off. Like, yeah. just tossing them to the side. And fatality yeah i mean and, and you really are like oh crap like i wasn't oh, sure yeah. where they were going with this i i wonder if it was going to be a franchise under I, and it kind of felt that way for a mm-hmm. while it was very apocalyptic and you have eastwood's character who this w- i literally like kind of mm-hmm. like came back a little bit I was like oh wow because mm-hmm. the tail of the major major kaiju one of the tails one of the it tails. now it has two, two yeah once it got fused and it like goes straight through the head of the gypsy. Uh, the jaeger gypsy and it like they they both like get out of the way but it clips eastwood's character mm-hmm. and enough to the point where he's damaged and he's hurt and he's not able to put he the fort t- he can't drift anymore um and so you see we found out actually in one of these backstories that jake was kicked out for trying to prove to his dad that he had enough to take over one of these Jaegers by himself. And he got seven, wait, no, basically two steps before he yep. passed out. Which, it just shows you, like, exactly how much mental strain it takes to, to use one of these things. Um, but he starts trying to do it, and they're like, no, you can't do it. You can't. <laughs> and this is where Amara comes back in. So she it was in the Titan, and that's gone down. Um <clears throat> All She's three running. jettison. You yeah. see the really cool escape pod. Which were, were neat. I thought they were... I, yeah. Actually, I thought, because you only see one of them mm. get out. I was like, oh, they just killed off a couple more of the kids. Which I definitely thought that um, Vic was going to get it there. I did not think Vic was making it out of this. She mm. does. Actually, we only lost one of the cadets, which I yeah. thought we would have and probably should have lost more than one. I still think we should have lost Reyes. Yeah. When, when the drones go bad, because the drones going bad had, it, it only destroyed, the, there's the commander that we lost. Yeah, the commander who wasn't, I mean, we realistically only lost one important character in yeah, this Yeah, there was no movie. emotional impact. Yeah. More, more as the, or, I'm sorry, not, well, I guess, Mako, Mori, was, yeah. yeah. She's the only one who had any, like, mm-hmm. major impact on, like, hey, because she was, everybody else's is fine. Yeah. Kinda the weird. Indian kid... Was sad because he he was a fun character. He was through the thing, he was a, and you got to see Ilya. Yeah, like be excited that he survived, and then look over. And they did that was a cool, not so gruesome, but gruesome mm-hmm. enough that it was an impact. You just see his hand kind of almost like acidic, like he looked like he it burned. Was shredded. Or, yeah, like yeah. he died. You it knew was, he died, and not pleasantly. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, I mean, essentially we get down to, we have um, Jake in the in Gypsy Avenger, and uh, Mara is running up, and um, he's like, don't do it, don't, you'll never make it. And she jumps and falls into this pit, but then his hand, yeah. the, the Jaeger's hand catches her. It was her and... a great mirror. They, they show the first time she and Boyega try to drift, they show how her family died, and they're at some kind of amusement park on the beach yeah and they're out on a wooden structure and it gets smashed between her and her parents by a kaiju yeah and her dad is yelling at her to leap leap you can make it and she's too scared to jump and the kaiju steps on her family yeah and kills it's like them good all. thing you didn't jump yeah story so, well, kids don't she, listen to your dad if she had jumped earlier they would have fled yeah. but her family was standing there waiting for waiting her because for her. she couldn't leap and so now she can leap but john boyega is telling her not to don't do it's a it dumb idea <laughs> so then yeah she does she does um drift with him they get in yeah. and they realize that there's no way that they are going to be able to do this alone and then in runs scrapper um yeah. which again with it was very very uh well done about how they mm-hmm. kind of buried the lead they did not let you know that i was still around and you're like oh crap i forgot it we haven't talked about him in an hour i was waiting for it the whole movie because it was so cute <laughs> I was sitting there angrily stewing, where's Scrapper? Well, and you know, because, like, Scrapper's, he survives, so mm-hmm. you know Scrapper's going to be involved in, in, in the third one if they, I don't think they're going to make a third one. I um, wish they would. I, I want them to, and I think, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so so Scrapper shows up, and um, Lee Wen is piloting remotely, Right? No, she was actually in in Scrapper. That's why her hair is so wavy because she is not just turned from her impersonal corporate persona, but she has gotten in the fight personally. Here's my thing with this though, and this is this isn't uh, a filming thing. This isn't like the plot. Mm -hmm. I don't think the the actress who played Lee Wen was was in the same studio (laughs) because they're never in the same scene together. Like in that, so you see with Scrapper. Mm-hmm. When he comes to protect, like to get them, they go into like a pod. They're like, "Close it, close it. We're out, we're out." And then she's running. She's yeah. she's in this like little black box, probably studio, mm-hmm. and they're in another. I don't think that's why or I thought she was remote at all. No, they're not. But she's definitely she's in there. Scrapper. Okay. Yeah, and it makes sense because Scrapper, that ball kind of setup was seen earlier on. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, that's why I got the impression is that she was remote. Is that mm-hmm. they're never well, and her whole thing together. is drones. Yeah, and yeah. mitigating human loss and increasing response time, or yeah. decreasing response time. Yeah. So I, I anyways, it, it, whether or not it was remote isn't really important. But yeah. Well, I guess it kind of is the yeah, fact that she, she put herself didn't. on the line. Yeah, it is important because she she turned away from automating the factory mm-hmm. and and saying, hey, well, sometimes you gotta have people there. Automating the factory, the the factory that the squid monsters come mm-hmm. out of, she makes a point to say that's one of our automated factories, mm-hmm. and that's why she doesn't have any idea just, that Newt has been building these kaiju mini-me's. Yeah, because he even says, like, I was able to do a little bit here, a little bit there, like, I was able to spread it out because 60, I think it's like 60% of yeah. your entire company is run by robots, like, it's yeah. automated. Um, that's, that's the whole moral of the story is she people had, need to do it. She had a bigger character arc than our main characters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, she went from being the villain bad guy who is, like, all about money and all the, mm-hmm. to saving everybody and doing the thing that she was trying to destroy the whole time, which is, yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of a sad... She's exactly what Bryce 
Dallas Howard should have been exactly. in Jurassic World. It's the exact same. I am a businesswoman doing this thing and ignoring the realities of nature to... Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get in Fallen Kingdom. Probably eh, not. No, Probably not. We are not going to. <laughs> so, Calling it right now. <laughs> so Scrapper, they um, brings in, they have, basically, they, they look and they're like, all right, the Mega Kaiju is two kilometers, which I don't know my conversion, but that's really, really close. Let's see, um, the 5K is 3.1 miles. It's a couple and miles. Some amount of mass. It's probably it's like, like a what, mile and a half. Half a mile long anyway, so it's got to take, yeah. what, like four steps? And so it's two kilometers away, and they're like, oh, we'll never make it. I'm like, no shit, you'll never make it. Mm-hmm. You're across Tokyo, and it's basically got to roll over to get into Mount Fuji. Yeah. But anyways. Well, and they show it like, it, it, go on. <laughs> Scrapper shows up and mm-hmm. is like running. <laughs> it's like the, the kid who's running across this battlefield. I'm like, I got it. I got it, guys. I got the rocket thruster. And it has a rocket thruster that is almost as big as it that it's trying to carry one-handed. Mm-hmm. And they even say, like, it, see, that's the thing, is I hate when, mo- if a movie's going to be ignorant, let it be ignorant. But they mm-hmm. very much like uh, the Dallas Howard, um, what is it? Bryce. Br- Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> I was like, that's not right. Um, Bryce Howard, where she, she is wearing these heels in Jurassic World and they make it's like okay well if they're gonna just do it have them do it but then they're like oh it's so it's why are you wearing these heels yeah why the hell are you wearing these yeah, heels it doesn't make it, any sense it wouldn't work Scrapper would not be able to to get this rocket thruster to them any quicker than they would with the distance that the kaiju had like I don't know it fuses the because she did some stuff to it. Um, Lee Wen was able to, in this very small amount of time, <laughs> do a bunch. And clearly, she knows how to do mechanical engineering. Yeah. Um, well, all of the scientists in this movie are experts at every science. Yes. That is, and that was a thing in the first movie too, mm-hmm. where they they tried to set up that Newt and Gottlieb were different types of scientists and had to work together. But they each understood the other's science very much. And I'm sorry, but a biochemist is not going to be an expert at astrophysics also automatically. Exactly. And that's... It undercuts... For for how well the first movie did, Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the areas it undercuts and kind of just makes assumptions on, which it shouldn't. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anyways... If a character knows one thing the screenwriter doesn't understand, then they know everything the screenwriter doesn't understand. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's their way of forgetting all the other plot holes and yeah. covering up the ones that they think they need to cover. Um, so Scrapper fuses the rocket to um, Gypsy Avenger's hand, and he's like, "Can you?" Because can he wants to, uh, Jake's got an idea. He's like, "Can you get us in the atmosphere?" Mm-hmm. Sure, but why? And he's like, "We're gonna, we're gonna punch it out, we're like super punch." Um, and it <laughs> yes. gets him into the atmosphere. And at that point, um, it's important to remember that Amara has just used her um, escape pod to send uh, Eastwood's character mm-hmm. out because he's hurting, and she's like, "Well, the only way to get him out of here safely and quickly is this escape pod." So she sends him out. And so the plan is they're going to rocket up into the to space, like the you know right above the clouds, and then the, the phrase I believe was into the atmosphere. Into the atmosphere, <laughs> very scientific. Yes, we're going to throw a scientific word out there. It's going to blast them up into the atmosphere, 
and then they're going to use like they're not going to slow down they're going to use the force to punch the kaiju and see if that can slow it down and beat it um with all the guns and weapons and bullets and everything that they've used a punch is apparently going to be enough that is completely in keeping with the first movie where none of your guns are enough you have to use a sword in the final battle yeah which i mean i kind of like yeah. To an extent. Well, and it's the same automation is bad, uh-huh. use the human. Yeah, I, I mean, and that, that Go back does. To punching. That follows, and I liked that. What it's I didn't. Dumb. What I did <laughs> <laughs> What I didn't like is that you have. So Scrapper is holding on for dear life and is on Gypsy Avenger when they mm-hmm. realize that the there is a problem with um, Jake, John Boyega's character his escape pod mm-hmm. and they're like and it's like knock 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 like i guess who's hanging on <laughs> um and then fuses like kind of like puts this hole into gypsy avenger they crawl out um and then it you know jumps off and scrapper like escapes which if you've carefully calculated your entry vector and then something has to push off of it, that's going to move the yep. physics. The physics that I understand Again, a little bit. A physics little bit. physics are not important in this yeah. movie. Um, explosions they, and they monsters They do use are. a hand thruster to readjust as they enter to make sure their aim's right. Yes, which that makes sense. But yeah, I just, I don't know. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we have we have this major space punch from um, from Gypsy Avenger. Major space punch. Major space punch. Um, that's the second time that's happened today because Jordan at rehearsal today made a uh, a chief reference. Yeah. Um, like our chief, concern. Chief, yeah, concern. chief concern. Chief um, <laughs> concern. Like ten people are going to listen to this podcast, and one of them is going to make that is going to know <laughs> that what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, and then we have this this punch that knocks it out and then it starts to wake up and you're like oh my god if that's they're screwed yeah, they have it. nothing left that's it. um and then it, <laughs> it passes out and you're like of course it does well but then it you realize it punched it in half yeah. like okay yes mm-hmm. it's dead but um so they, they defeat it they get out and they're like and this is so stupid amaro's <laughs> like Oh, look, snow. And again, they call attention to how stupid it is by Boyega saying, we have a, hold on, we got a, we got a giant dead kaiju over here, and you're worried about snow? And then they have a snowball fight, make snow but angels, end of the movie. You missed the schmoopiest part, which oh, is, yeah. I've never seen snow. <laughs> Who cares? It was awful. Like, I don't, and that didn't mean anything. No. Like, that, I don't know. I, I don't know. But... <laughs> And then the movie ended, and I was like, yeah. "Oh!" I looked over. I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> um, very quickly, though. So we see the the title card of you know Pacific Rim Uprising, and then it cuts. Oh, well, no, I take that back. We did forget mm-hmm. one thing. Eastwood's character. Oh yeah. Finds Newt because Newt's like, "Oh, I got a plan B," and then punches him. That's yes. Okay, that happens, and then we have the Snow Angels. But still, all very quick, and a quick mm-hmm. ending. Very. St- just abrupt. Which I kind of thought Eastwood was dead. I know he, I thought he got was too. launched out in the thing, but I definitely, in my brain, had just marked him off as, oh, meaningful character death. Yeah, and you I know? kind of would have preferred that. I mean, yeah. I don't know. but He was so good at being a white guy talking to a black man the whole time. And he film. was pretty. I yes. Mean, he was pretty. The, the awkward levels in some moments were just right. Yeah. It was... It was weird, um, especially in Eastwood being that person. Yeah. Um, 
But the very end, um, we have a like a, a we didn't have an end of credit scene, but we had like a beginning of credit scene mm-hmm. where Newt is in custody and he's talking in his like half Newt half precursor voice about like my masters will come back and um, I you know they'll, they'll they're not gonna quit we're gonna destroy your planet there's nothing you can do and um, Boyega says uh, well the next time anybody attacks it's gonna be us mm-hmm. which hints highly at a third installment of the the Jaegers going and trying to wait find a way to breach into the precursor world to end it. Yes. Which would make sense. That would be a good final ending to a it. series. But I after seeing this movie, I'm not sure it's gonna make enough. But then again, the first one I did not so. make anything. I, I really so hope I don't know it follows in the footsteps of Riddick. Mm. and scrapes by with the full three movies. Just to say we finished it. Yeah, just to wrap things up and have the full trilogy out in the world. I I worry that the only way they're going to get that third movie is if they get uh, Del Toro back to do it. And I don't... He's Uh, gone and done much better things. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe, I don't know, maybe he'll want to do it for fun. You know, it'll be like he's gone and done all these projects and maybe Mm -hmm. he just wants to wrap it up. I yeah, just hopefully. It'd be nice. So that's that's it. That's the uh, the end of the plot. So um, before we get <laughs> very into our abrupt end of the movie, very, so very quickly, uh, we're done. Have a good night. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. No, I'm just kidding. We have, we got a couple things to talk about before we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Um, before we look at our final thoughts and rate it, what was a character that you wanted to see more of? Because we had a lot of minor characters and like even major characters who weren't in it as much. So who would you say you wanted more of that you didn't get to see quite enough of? Ooh. The commander was a really interesting um, throwback to Idris Elba's character as the stoic leader. He was. I um, agree to that. But th- there was almost nothing. You got a few glimpses early on that he seemed like a really likable, good leader. And then he's gone for an hour and then you get the shot of him screaming as he dies. Yeah. And and the fact that that shot was in the trailer made it seem like he might be a bigger character. So he's he's not one that there was anything in the movie that made me want to see more of him. But the fact that there wasn't anything in the movie does make me... Maybe my fan fiction will be about him. There you go. <laughs> was it just me or did he, did he seem like he was... His voice was almost like dubbed. Like anytime he talked, it sounded very like general commander guy like it just didn't sound like it would come out of him it sounded like a voiceover for gi joe yeah um i i didn't have that dissonance but it did sound like a voice yeah it definitely i can see that yeah which maybe he was in more and they ended up cutting him out because it it sounded like um when the the police one showed up at the start, yes, uh, yeah, the and it had axle. the very police sound yeah. of voice, which they they show people talking through the speakers from their Jaegers, and it sounds like the person who's talking. Yeah. So whoever was in that has a voice freeze right there. <laughs> it's weird. It's that voice from the beginning, the mm-hmm. the radar. That per- <laughs> that whoever did that is also the person who's voicing <laughs> yeah. the axle. <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, um, I wanted to see more of of just Charlie Day um, mm-hmm. as Newt. Um, in the first movie, he got to be himself. 
In this movie, it felt like they had him in there because that's what the storyline had. Yeah. And they couldn't cast somebody else, and he would like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. But I was not as entertained by his character. Um, Charlie Day is a very specific kind of actor. Mm-hmm. Anytime he's in something, you know what you're getting, and you're, you're happy with it. If you yeah. like him as an actor, you're happy with it. He does what he does, and he does it well. Yeah, I just didn't feel like he got any liberties in this movie. I wanted more... Newt Gottlieb moments. Yeah. Because that's when I felt Alice like... Alice moments. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's when it's funny. I yeah. Don't know. When he's moving the plot, he didn't have any time to do anything else. Yeah. He wasn't funny. He had one moment to me, was, and that was the, the moment with his alien brain wife. Alien brain wife. Um, I just, I really was disappointed because I love Charlie Day. Love him and everything he's been in. All of the like, like going the distance and horrible bosses and clearly sun. You know, it's always sunny. I love him as an actor. He's so funny and he just didn't. He didn't deliver anything to me. Yeah, not at all. I wanted more of John Boyega's desserts. I wanted him to have more snacks through the whole film. I know. I'm his toppings. Don't mess with his toppings. Yeah, ice cream toppings. Maybe that'll maybe that'll be in the fan fiction as we'll find out. You know what other desserts. (laughs) Does Jake like? Are you keeping track at home? Because this is going to be quite the story. It's going to be. It's probably going to be better than Pacific Rim Uprising. To be honest. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't want to tell you, but I'm actually uh, on board for the third movie. <laughs> oh, what's the title? Pacific Rim fan fiction. Fan fiction. The toppings. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and um, uh, let's see. Rating on a scale of one to five cases of sriracha. And then your final thoughts as well. Okay. Uh, I am going to give it three sriracha. It is exactly in the middle of being a terrible film, but exactly what I wanted. It, It scratched all my itches for giant robots and giant monsters and manly feelings that you have to express in really awkward terms because you got to get him out there, but you're also the action hero. It was was everything I wanted. I liked it a lot, but three cases of Sriracha. It's a bad movie. (laughs) Yeah, I I gave it two and a half. (laughs) It's probably one of the lower ones I've given. Um, I enjoyed it. Like, it is what it is, um, but I think the the other time I gave a low rating was with Geostorm early on, and... Like, with Geostorm, you look at it and you're like, this will be a bad movie. Mm -hmm. You know that these movies are kind of bad. Pacific Rim is not automatically a bad movie. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what you're getting because it's an action movie, but the first one broke ground. The first one did things that we hadn't seen in a while, or at least in that style. Um, Visually, it was so much better, um, and it it also had the luxury of not being popular. This one... Their expectations were much higher. The moment anybody found out, like, oh my god, they're doing a, they're finally doing a Pacific Rim sequel, you immediately have raised your expectations much higher than this film could have even done uh, justice to. So, so that was, I just, eh, I wasn't a fan. I kind of have the opposite, where, again, Fast and Furious, I love it so much, but Too Fast, Too Furious is a completely different beast and much, much more dumb than The Fast and the Furious. So I go into an action sequel expecting a completely different movie. And it's, for a much better franchise, uh, the alien to aliens shift, where you go from horror to action. 
Yeah, I can see that. It's it's just a different beast, and it should be. Well, and I think that they really missed Del Toro on this one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look at what he does, and you look at his Pacing. style of movies. <laughs> he has an ability to make anything, literally. I mean, we've seen just recently with Shape of Water, mm-hmm. make anything interesting. And not just interesting, but phenomenal. Compelling. Yes. Um, he's the reason why Pacific Rim had a following after it came out in theaters, where people started mm-hmm. to say, like, oh, this is actually pretty well done. Um, and it wasn't because no one went to see it. It's just because it wasn't a huge movie when it first came out. Yeah. You throw in this idea of you know trying to put in a sequel. They they put too much on Boyega's shoulders. They're like, yeah. oh, this guy was in Star Wars. He's gonna be awesome. People want to see him do sci-fi. And and I do. And uh, yes, well, that's but true. I'm not the I typical s- movie going audience. I still need a storyline. Um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Clearly, that half case of sriracha tells us that. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't hate the movie. If you saw the first one, I recommend it. I think it was fun. Um, it mm-hmm. it didn't anger me. I've seen movies where I'm like, this is shit. This is bad. This wasn't a bad movie. It just wasn't good. Go in with low expectations. Yeah. Get yourself a nice drink at the, uh, the beverage station yeah. before you go in and... Have a good time. Absolutely. So, uh, that, yeah, that wraps us up for this week. Um, Carly, thanks for coming on. I'm glad. It's been too long. We're what, what episode 21. We'll have to get yeah, you on again here soon. Yeah. Have me back. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, next week, we are checking out a movie that I am still not... I still can't believe that they finally made it. I'm so excited. Ready Player One. Um, I'm an English teacher, and I could not put this book down. So if they screw this up, you are definitely going to hear about this um, from me. But Ready Player One, I will be reviewing next week. And uh, until then, if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can do that and the podcast through our email. Uh, it is driveineventide at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at driveineventide. Um, until then, again, Carly, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. And everybody, drive home safe. We'll see you next time. Bye. Charlie loves cherry, so he fills his froster with wild cherry, cherry cola, and tops it off with cherry limeade. It's the cherry on Charlie's day. Mix the polar pop or froster that works for you. Just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Charlie loves cherry, so he fills his froster with wild cherry, cherry cola, and tops it off with cherry limeade. It's the cherry on Charlie's day. Mix the polar pop or froster that works for you. Just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations.